Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Yes. No, well, so, but it's much more to, I will say this, I will say this in defensive word, and D. Hepworth-esque, it's very hard to write positive features and things like The Beatles when you're trying to redefine the, the sound of a generation to people who don't give a toss. It's very hard to write that stuff. It's uh, very easy to go, crap, couldn't, well, why do they bother? I, you know, my sister could do better than this. Anyone can write that. Say <laughs> so your pen, I'm my pen. Cheers. See, here's the, tr- here's the great truth yeah. about writing about music, which we debate many times. Are we recording, Fraser? Okay. Um, <laughs> Andy Murray is listening to my sage words and nodding. Nodding. Uh, mm. the, the, the way most people get around the difficulty of writing about music is they don't write about music. Yeah. They write about everything else but the music. You know, they write about the social circumstances yeah. or the career. Well, there's a place for that as well. Well, they don't know much about music, that's yeah, why. it's much easier to write about that. The music the is very hard to write about. Very hard, yeah, and, yeah. and you've got to know something about it. Do you know Steve Turner, the, the scribe? I do. Well, Steve Turner from Formula of the Melody Maker in uh, The same, and uh, Clapton biographer. He lives yes. across the street from me, so I see him on a regular basis. And I was remarking to him the other day, only the other day, 30 years after he started writing, that... A lot of journalists only review lyrics because you can review lyrics. They are writings, they oh, deal yeah. in words, yes, you can talk about the words. You can, uh, but, uh, but to talk about the Aeolian cadences is a little more tricky. Well, the only trouble is you mentioned an Aeolian cadence. The old eyelids start to feel a bit heavy for a lot of readers, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. for people who, who, are, who are a fool for an Aeolian <laughs> cadence like me. So <laughs> here we are, it's the word podcast. Uh, and your names, Mark Ellen. Mark Ellen. And, uh, and special guest, Andy, not that one, Murray. Andy Murray, <laughs> not that one. Um, but I was here first. Sorry, I recently. was Andy Murray before he was Andy absolutely. Murray. Absolutely. Absolutely. As far as we were concerned, when that lanky Scott started, you know, making a, a name for himself with the tennis racket, as far as Mark Ellen and, one I, were, uh, and I were concerned, this was an intrusion on the natural There's mental space occupied yes. by the real, the Andy, real Murray, Andy Murray. The real Andy yeah, Murray, who is here with us. And uh, we've known for ooh, many, many a year. Uh, and he's going to be talking about uh, a feature in the current issue of Word, which has got the Beatles on the cover, about, well, about 
amateur promoters, semi-pro promoters, college social sex and so forth, because Andy has great experience at doing that, so we'll come to that in a moment. But first, Indeed, if you have a copy of that magazine, open it up at the, at the yes. picture. The headline is Bloody Students. I, and you can and underneath none is more a correct. terrific picture of Andy Murray. And I, I, how old would you be at the time? Like early 20s? 21, yeah. 21. 21-ish, yeah. Playing an acoustic guitar, wearing a pair of uh, Wellington boots on a beach. On a beach. In Scotland. Of, of, in which, Scotland. More, of which more in a moment. Yes, I want to know so, why he so bothered to have Look at that picture. picture. That is the man that's talking to you now. I want to just... Uh, the, the news just... Just in this morning, have you followed the story of the uh, the student from Muswell Hill who's, uh, who went missing in the Blue Mountains? Oh yes, yeah, just found. Twenty one days, found. the longest yeah. ever. Twelve, no, 12, days. 12 days. days, longest so ever. Y- have you been to the Blue Mountains of Australia? I've been to Mo- I have actually. I've, I've been, been, I've and been, I've been yeah. to this Muswell is, Hill. This is <laughs> Muswell Hill. They are rather similar. A lot of them. I know <laughs> the two places. If I'm going to go missing in one of the two, I'd say Muswell Hill. Slightly easier chance of being found. Yeah? Yes. Blue Mountains of Australia, huge, very, very beautiful area of, of scenic splendour, but incredibly densely forested. Oh, yes, it? all trees and crevasses, as yeah, far as yeah, the eye can absolutely. see. Like, no yeah. chance of so seeing anyone chance. within 50 so yards. Guy, make it worse. This guy goes lost, wandering off, okay, 12 days ago, and, uh, you know, obviously didn't come back that night, and night after, whatever, his poor distraught parents, his mm-hmm. father flies out to Australia and so forth. Now, obviously, the only reason why I'm telling this story is because it's got a happy ending. If it had the, the ending yeah, most of us could predict, that if wouldn't be saying found. this at all. Yeah. But, you know, so any of us who've got you know, uh, children of gap year age or whatever, this is the very kind of thing to think about all the time. <laughs> Total and, um, and so I just assumed he was never going to be found. Well, he was found. In What's the, he know, been doing for 21 well, days? I don't well, know. They didn't call say. It, no, 12 days. But yeah. they said dehydrated getaway. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Disoriented, possibly. Disoriented. He thought he was in Muswell Hill. Quite, quite hungry. <laughs> he was waiting for the bus. An exposure. Okay, but uh, he's walking. He's fine. Mm. I've seen film of him and so forth. Press conferences. But here's the gobsmacking little detail, Mark. What did he not have with him? What is the only 19-year-old on God's earth who didn't have with him? He, had, he didn't have a Blackberry. He didn't have a, a mobile, mobile phone. Now, you would have thought in Muswell Hill, you don't get on the chippy without a mobile phone. You, you don't know? speak to your mates, and even in the next street, without a mobile phone. <laughs> the you text that, them on the bus. The notion you set off into the Blue Mountains yeah. without a mobile phone. Particularly since mobile phones at the moment have got a very, very good record in, in, of their involvement in rescues, haven't they? Oh, yes, because the triangulation, etc., etc. Sadly, but this is a, a bad record in terms of human rights, because, of course, you can be found, they find at, at any they, time. They know where you are. Look up the old records. Oh, yes, I see he was Oh, what, from the last, your last call? Well, they know where you are. They just the, know where you yeah, are. They, but... Um, the, the, there have been cases of people lost in terrible circumstances on the mountains in very, very remote oh, parts yeah, of the yeah. earth who have nonetheless rung their mum home in oh, Solihull, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. who has then got and in touch with the, the Australian embassy or whatever, absolutely. and have then they, and they've got them. It's absolutely And he was just wandering the entire time, this guy. We didn't know what he didn't say, did he? He hadn't done it like deliberately. He wasn't trying to plumb the depths of, to the lighthouse by... No, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't. It wasn't a, a solo suicide attempt <laughs> no, in the early no, days because no. of his bad exam results. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no suggestion that yeah. the dad coming out... He was most afraid of his dad coming out to tell him off. <laughs> yes, that's he right. He only got two Bs now yeah. to go to Loughborough. But anyway, we're delighted. We're delighted he's <laughs> back. <laughs> Probably more terrified of the idea that, it is, that the longer he was out there, the more cross his dad would be. And after eight oh, yeah, days, yeah, yeah. before he's up to twelve, I'm not coming out now. <laughs> You're not coming out now. I'm terrified. But you guys, of course, being parents, which I am not, you must you must now be the the the, the tyrannical dads that you know 
force people to listen to music and when they want to be going down the club and uh, I wouldn't say I was tyrannical. I, mean, I, I, you know, it, it, I, I tried uh, in the early days of my children suggesting that they should listen to things, and it always had the uh, direct result that they would run a million miles yeah, in the opposite direction. Right. Yes. But they, the wonderful thing is that it, it becomes quite cyclical. I remember my eldest son, who's 25 now, but when he was 23, he went to Glastonbury, and he heard in the distance some music that seemed very familiar. And in fact, it was Brian Wilson's uh, uh, Wonderment playing the hits of the oh, Beach Boys. Oh, great, great. And he, he, you know, he hadn't heard the fears, but he used to hear it in car tapes when, when he was little. And obviously it's got into his DNA. And he took with him seven people. And they literally broke into a this. run to right. hear this music. They were playing right, Barbara Ann or whatever. And I was quite comforted by that, because I felt that uh, a certain amount of this, <laughs> <laughs> of my musical policies, obviously, I know that somehow... Do you think there's, there's an interesting point here, actually, that I think that... People now grow up in such a music, uh, a musical environment. Music is everywhere, and you know, in the shops, and you know, on public transport, yeah, yeah, on the, it's, every it's radio station, so forth. That whether you like it or not, when you're 17 years old, you kind of know an awful lot of that stuff. You know, like people probably used to know a load of songs that they'd sung at school or something. You know, in an yeah, earlier it's, it's, age. It's yeah. a good point. It's a bit like your thing on the Beatles. It is the folk music de nos jours it, it, because you do hear it and you hear it all you the time. You can't avoid it. And and when Neil Young played at Glastonbury, I can't remember. Somebody said, I think it's Edith Bowman, said, "I don't know anything about Neil Young." And I thought. That's a kind of preposterous thing to How say. Could you? Well, well, you're conscious of knowing anything about Neil Young or not. But you would know. You would know. You know. You would know songs. seven That's or eight of the songs. At least, it, it is yeah, a yeah. piece of really positioning. Yeah. I'm a young person. He's for the old folks. Yeah. Yeah. He's I'm wearing a cardigan. He looks knackered. I'm a Radio One young person, which <laughs> yeah. means I'm 38. I'm actually yes, you're <laughs> a mother of four <laughs> in my early 40s, and, uh, <laughs> and I haven't quite got a birth at Radio Two yet. So you know, I've still got bare feet. As soon as I arrive at Radio Two, Neil Young. Oh, I've always loved. Oh, absolutely. I've listened to it. In theory, they're right. See, there shouldn't our music, the, the music that was new when we were <clears throat> young, um, should not have lasted, but has. And it, it is it's, uh, similar to your slightly, uh, um, what should we say, uh, ungracious piece on old Joe Wiley. <laughs> um, oh, right. it, it sort of makes the point that your new music is dead dull. And uh, since I'm of a certain age, I tend to agree. Uh, there, there isn't stuff that has the, the life-changing, uh, you know, cosmos-shifting effect of, in this case, the Beatles or some of those bands from the 70s. And, uh, you know, I would, say would, I would say Floyd because I'm currently employed by a Floyd person. But, um, oh, you are, aren't you? That's right. But, uh, you know, there, there were bands that you could... Neil Young certainly would be one of them. You'd put a defining peg in the sand. Well, there are very few modern artists that you could say that about, but partly because there's so much of it. And if we go back to your student days, you couldn't get it. You, yeah. There was Radio 1, and that was Glam, and there was the John Peel Show, Sounds of the 70s, uh, the old Grey Whistle Test, and that was it. That was it. And one of the reasons you'd go to see a gig on a Friday and Saturday is because that would be your music fix of the week for 50p. Yeah, okay. And you'd read about it in your enemy melody maker or sounds, and then you'd go and see it. You'd and spend if you liked more, it, you'd buy the record. You'd spend more time reading about it than you would hearing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because no question. And finding it was quite hard. And the thing I remember oh, yeah, so no, really fondly of, of that era, was, was the, which is completely unlike now, is that very rarely do you hear music without having a kind of visual image of what, that, what the music looks like. And this is obviously the, the byproduct of, of, the, of the, you know, the video boom in MTV. Mm. But mostly now music is, is a kind of soundtrack to your mental image of the Sugar Babes or whoever. 
But in those days, I used to go and see bands, uh, you know, at college concerts, like the ones you put on, having no idea what they looked like, bizarrely. You occasionally might get a little picture of well, Melody yeah, Maker. Sure you might really hear a little John either, And I really didn't have a mental image of what to expect. Mm. And, um, and that itself was an amazing revelation, I think. The, well, it's amazing how this stuff clings on, though, because I got a press release yesterday, and I've taken... I'm getting so fed up of press releases, I've taken to, to posting extracts from the most preposterous ones on the Word website just to see what the word massive think of them. And I got one yesterday, <laughs> and the opening... Get yeah, communal kicking from the massive... <laughs> well, OK, then you want to... Well, like you the person publish, who wrote it cares. You want to yeah. publish what, you know, about your artist? Fine, publish about your artist, yeah. OK? Uh, but the opening line of this press release, and Fraser is in the background on the faders, may have to help me out with this, but mm. I think it said, imagine an artist with the soul of Scott Walker, the warmth of Cat Stevens, the heart of Cat Stevens, of Cat Stevens and the lyricism of Nick Drake. Now... You know, you thought, this is 2009. You're listening to the Human Saucepans, <laughs> now on Epic Records. That's right, yeah. No, no, but it's please. the idea that you attempt, to, you attempt to position an artist who wasn't born then... Has never heard of, of any of them. Points. But well, has stolen most of their melodies, probably. But if, no, when Nick Drake's press release was written in 1968 from Island Records, nobody said... Imagine an artist with the warmth yes, of Al Bowley. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Arthur Alexander. Minute. No, <laughs> Arthur Alexander would have been last week yeah. compared to this. Well, this is 40 years. To be years. fair, there wouldn't have been a press release in 1969 that have walked the LP round to the three magazines who might have reviewed yeah, it and said, so. here's an album by our new singer-songwriter. Smoke some of this, then listen to yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway... And it's, it doesn't it's, matter if it doesn't a, sell, there'll be another one in six months. You see, yeah. I think... The ni- we were talking about this yesterday. I think, oddly enough, 1969 at the moment for people has a strange resonance that it's never had before. Oh, yeah. I don't know why that is. I like this theory. I don't, Whether this it's Woodstock or what, you know. I saw Peter Green's group playing at a festival on, on Saturday at Cornbury Festival. Oh, did I you? was saying how uh, extraordinary it was just for how forgiving the crowd was. I mean, he was pretty good um, in the circus because obviously he's had some calamities have visited this, uh, this guy and it's nice to see that he can still play and sing to some extent. But, I mean, what, what amazed me was, was that everybody in the audience was somehow utterly forgiving um, because he appeared to be a survivor from an era that is now absolutely sacrosanct, isn't yes. it? Yes. Well, yeah, and, was... and to be fair, he, he will play probably three of the best notes you've heard all night. Because yeah. if you're a modern guitar player and you will try to play, you'll try and play like Eddie Van Halen or some other whittler. Um, <laughs> whittler? You know, because it's a, modern music is He doesn't whittle. Because you won't learn... You won't learn the effective placement of the note. And Peter Green is one of the absolute exponents of space in, in, space in blues recording and, and emotion. He's fantastic. There's a certain amount of that and in that. In it's quite a long time, some of it. So somebody gave him a nudge. It's Peter, you're on stage, uh, yeah. old boy. Well, he's, he's not what he was. But where he was in 1969 was the Fisherman's Arms Wood Green where Ooh. I went to see Fleetwood Mac. And they, they had the two number one hits at the time, and they were still playing the Fisherman's yeah. Arms. They were unbelievably good. They were one of the best gigs I've ever seen. I have just produced. Did you, I have did you engineer this? a piece yeah. of paper. That's Andy and I, sir, I've never, we never you met before. you. <laughs> <laughs> you were just coming along to the night show. We shared a hotel room <laughs> on the stiff I, I actually found yesterday and printed out an old bill from the Fishmongers Hall mm-hmm. in Woodgreen in the year 1960, presumably 69. 60, 60, well, this is, well, this is very early yeah, Led 69. Zeppelin, because I wanted to talk yeah, about yeah. it. We, we talk about it now. And you I know, saw the, them as well. The days when, you know, the absolute 
strangely shambolic way in which bands used to start their mm. careers. You know, so this is oh, Led yeah. Zeppelin on their very, very early tours. We're playing at the Fishmongers Hall, which is a hall out the back of a pub. Yes. It's no longer and called the Fishmongers they Hall. they also played at the Hornsywood Tavern, right. which has a back room on the Hornsey Road. It's between... Um, Finsbury Park and Manor House and I lived at the time 1969 in London round the corner I was living in a hostel and they played the 12 shillings it was and uh, you could just about get John Bonham's kit on the stage that was were they called Led Zeppelin at this point? They well, had just been, they were, they'd been booked as okay, the New Yardbirds. The Yardbirds. They, on this, so on this thing, which I'll post on the website. And actually, that would that. have been 1968, because this is the, first the album came out January 69, and their first tour was booked as the New Yardbirds, and then they did another tour as Led Zeppelin in January, and the album came out in America in January and Britain in February. But that's exactly, because the, that was the club scene at the time. Yeah. Was, was they, it was... And the manor house itself, as a gig, was shillings. the big room above the pub. I'm and surprised it was as much as. I'm surprised it was as much as twelve shillings. Yeah, they put it up. It was originally it was eight shillings, and then on the night, no, it's twelve now. Well, the place is full. So, uh, eight up. shillings, forty p. Well, actually, it's more like these days, uh, eight quid. Actually. Well, it's so, you, know, you can't say so you can't equate it into. But no, I know it's okay. But so when Led Zeppelin now, this is going to this is a real test for Andy Murray. When Les Zeppelin's first album came out, what year are we talking Try about? 69. 69. 69, okay. <laughs> On the Atlantic label, yep. through Polydor, yes? Yes, I would okay. have been distributed by Polydor. And if you went yes. and bought it, yes. in uh, what shop would you have gone and bought it, Andy, if at the time? Had well, you... at the time I would have gone to, it would have been South Moulton Street. So it says one stop in South Moulton it Street. It would have been one stop, or around the corner, that was it Harlequin? Okay, right. Uh, Danny, Danny Baker Danny wasn't Baker yet working beyond the counter of that place. Not until slightly later. Right, okay, right. so in if you Edinburgh, went to it would have been Bruce's, Bruce's okay. records. Whichever of those shops it yeah, was, yeah. and you bought that record, how much was it be- would it have been? Well, I'm tempted to say 32 and 6. That's what I um, would have said. Yes. That is the right that's answer. That's what I would have <laughs> yes. said. But then they went up to 37 and 6 after that, and then we went in decimal in 1970, didn't we? So it was 225. So point. the point being, the reason I'm saying <laughs> this <laughs> is it's like a pre-decimal <laughs> podcast. Also, I think there should be a splinter group. Maybe we should do it occasionally, which is kind of the modern music is rubbish splinter group. Absolutely, chaired that, that by that's, 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 that's always a serious. That's always a We could just <laughs> sit and grumble. It's always a ready <laughs> in there. But they stopped for twelve shillings. Led Zeppelin. We were happy then. But what the point about all this? Three bedrooms. The point about this: the thirty-two and six would have been about five times as much as you would have paid to see them live. Oh, yes, that's to exactly buy the, the record would have been exactly five the point times I was as much. And now the equation is on his head. And now the equation is... A completely... Your friend's copied hundred times. times. <laughs> you play ten times more to go yeah. and see somebody live. And the principle, as I discovered when I, was, when I was Elton John's product manager and I'm being yelled at by, Rock, by uh, Rocket Records for his new record not selling, because he's on tour... And it's suddenly, it's unbelievable that, you know, 20 years Tell us later, some stories about the kind of products that Elton wanted you to manage for him <laughs> later on. Well, singles, uh, yeah, I guess oh, right, that's okay. why they call it the blues. <laughs> Fruit and flowers? No, maybe not. Um, he was very nice, Elton, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, go uh, anyway, the point is, he, he, was, he hadn't yet made his comeback with uh, Too Low for Zero, one of several comebacks. And there was a certain amount of yelling about why his latest single wasn't selling, albeit in the poster bag that I'd put it in with his you know, pictures in it. Uh, and it suddenly occurred to me, 20 years too late, that the reason that people go to concerts is to hear the songs they know. I mean, it's a simple revelation. never occurred to me up until that very point, because I went to see whoever I went to see, to, as you did, what have they got that's new? Maybe you, in, the, in the 70s you would hear the new album before the album came out. Yes. 
because they would play exist. doesn't yeah, exist yeah. now, except in the world of David Gilmore. I can get a plug in for my <laughs> employer. Where he did, he went back to Floyd days, in, understanding that there would be a fair amount of Floyd people in the audience, and he played his new album from start to finish as the first half of the set, and then the you know, well-known tracks in the second half of the set. And I have to say, it actually worked. If you're playing to an audience that is that committed, yeah, yeah. that has probably but bought the record, and then yeah. and you tell people you're going to do it, and it's not just you know greatest hits. And by the way, here's two tracks from my new album. At which point, the audience you know <laughs> <laughs> head straight for the bar. Uh, but it's because y- your modern world has had everything in advance and wants a repetition of the experience. And if you if you wibble the screen back to '69, it wasn't like that. You yeah. would go to a festival. Not only having not heard of or seen most of the bands, but not having heard all the records that Johnny Walker or, or Pete Drummond would play in between the acts. And it occurred to me on the tube on the way here that that's also how a lot of records or singles or albums actually sold. Things like Lindisfarne. You would hear Fog on the Time, the title track, at every festival you went to. The DJ the would always play so it. Yeah. And every picture tells a story. Yeah. First side one, track one. Absolutely. You'd, long before the, you actually revelation. bought the album. Wow, yeah, brilliant. And you'd be stuck in a field, you know, not so much as a can of Coke. And you'd be listening to it, catching yeah. the so, so chord as it wafted we across made our the own way. Whereas, <laughs> whereas I know Mark Ellen now. You know, Mark Ellen, who's a very keen festival goer, he has actually told me that, it, that sometimes he goes to festivals Escorting and then goes, tries to get as far away from the music as possible. Because what he wants to really stands. do is social, socialise. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had that, that the other day. Actually, I can't mention which festival it was, but I mean, a, a group came on when I was with a couple of old mates I hadn't seen for, for a while. I, we, we were both sort of shouting at the stage, turn it down! Yes! <laughs> and so actually, we weren't alone, actually. A lot of other people, many, many of them sitting in folding chairs, were having a perfectly pleasant time uh, sharing a wine box, you know, in a sunny afternoon. What you don't want is some group kind of hectoring noise. Serious, serious point, in 1969, kind of proper rock music, was sort of hard to hear. It, it was, was yeah, yeah. It wasn't too loud. To so yeah. you were, in, during the times that I used to work for my father during college holidays and so forth, you know, doing repetitive, dull, manual labour, uh, with, without dint of an iPod, and, and occasionally, you know, there would be a radio in the, in the background, we probably had Radio 2 on or something like that. Light programme. Probably, the, well, yeah. Yeah, slightly later than that. Seems anyway, but the point is mm. that the, I can remember doing this work while in my head... I was recreating this music. I was imagining yeah. what it was going to be like yeah. when I got to hear it again. Now, that, I would suggest, is an experience that has disappeared from humankind. Well, and because not to whatever mention, people want to you listen to it, you can just punch it up. Well, you, you, hear it. you hear not terribly good quality, but in, in good clarity. It. But also, you, you're quite right about the gig experience, because you didn't have 24-channel mixers. It was... It was an entire... You mixed your own sound by depending on how close you got to the stage or otherwise. And you would actually quite like to go and see the band again because they'd be playing in a different way. They might have changed their amps. The sound would be different. There wasn't this homogeneity that there is today where you've got to have what you paid the money for and it's got to be those hits exactly like the record with the dance steps and the lighting. Otherwise, I want my money back. I know yeah, that, that, that thing of people wanting to sound exactly like the yeah, record yeah. seems absolutely pointless. Why? Why would you? Well, oh. because that's the, that's the mass audience, isn't it? Anyway, let, yes. shall we just no, let's, you let's tell us about the whalers? Yes, it's, it's, yes let's. It's so, Andy, piece. what yes. year are we talking about? When you you the went whalers. to Leeds? You went well, to I was Leeds. there. I was at Carlisle Art College, and then I went to Leeds Polytechnic from what is now Leeds Metropolitan University. Uh, from 1971 to 1975, and in 1973-4. I was the full-time social secretary. Right. Because they had this position that, was, that you, you know, it was so deemed an important enough this job to do full-time. keenly contested. It must have been. And what, you know, what appealed to you about being the social sec at Leeds 
Uh, well, similarly, as it says, uh, other, other persons contributors to your article, they're, they're, of course, there's a huge amount of ego in saying, well, I, my taste is better than anybody else's taste. I want to be the guy who books the band. And I'd suffered I terribly. I educate these. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> well there, is, there is lost that. But I'd stood for social secretary at Carlisle Art College, and I lost. And the, go, the guy who won, and this is only to put on one show at the end of term, and the guy who won booked Black Widow. I was going to say, that, 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 thank you. No further questions, Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Black Widow. I give you Black Widow. And do we all remember how Black Widow's big, I won't we say do. hit, we went? We will. And it goes, I main refrain was, was come, come to the Sabbath. Come, come to the Sabbath. Come, come, come to the Sabbath. Come to the Sabbath. Satan's there. <laughs> well, that's a good reason not to book him in my book. <laughs> it actually... <laughs> Shall we do that? I'm not sure they put the Satan at the end because it, you're still not sure whether to go to the Sabbath. Satan's there. Oh, right. Okay. Please say that you earlier. You talked me into it. Now, now we've started. Now we've got a party. That was for the... Do it again. One, okay. two, three, four. Come, come, come to the Sabbath. Come to the Sabbath. Satan's there. <laughs> I tell you what, if Danny, oh, if Danny Baker was here, he'd join in on that. Cause I, I know he's played <laughs> oh, that record on the radio. It's from, it's from their, uh, their record, which is, I think it was called Sacrifice. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you're right. On CBS, and it came on CBS. And I think about a year after Black Sabbath had a breakthrough on Vertigo, I think somebody <laughs> yeah, at CBS yeah. said, the I think we ought to have, we ought to have yeah, a yeah. band from the Midlands who believe in the dark side. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, no, it was complete. Sabbath light is what it was. Yeah, terrible. Grey Sabbath. The people who got to see this terrible group could have seen, you would probably go to try and put on Bob Marley and the Whalers. Uh, or something if, improving. Uh, if they'd been touring at the time, I would have done. Yeah, yes, very like, or so more likely your, the Incredible String Band. So that was your experience at Carlisle. So you, yes. and you missed so, your chance. So I missed my chance. So then I. So at Leeds, I, okay, you got in this exalted But even position. then, even then, funnily enough, even though the backstages are not like what they were these days, and you could you could just walk in. You literally, they didn't have any security if you had any front. But there was this respect for the performer yes, and the stage, if you like. The, you know, that was it was a nether world even though it wasn't very well organized and it was done by a few people so it wasn't until my second year that I happened to walk past the union office and for some reason something was going on I stuck my head around the door and said you know what happens in here oh this is where the you know the union is and this is where we book the gigs from all right you know can I you know do you want to join it turned out that actually nobody was very interested in being the social secretary That's both amazing. both in my college and in Paul Conroy's college and in Rob Dickens well, because it, well, it turns out it's a lot of work. And uh, as the students are not well, well, no. they in bridge no. club instead? <laughs> well, actually, they were. At least it was very big. Well, sealed in, in them stuff. days, you... Well, they tried to reenact the Battle of yes, Preston Yes, yes, they did that. Dressed in a yeah. tricorn hat. <laughs> but they also had spelunking. They, they, you know, it was very Spl sporty, Leeds what? Poly. And it's spelunking, it's caving. What the hell is that? Oh, caving. Right, Where you go and you, you drop a bone and it goes, a stone and it goes, splunk. Oh, right. <laughs> but, uh, it's very sporty because that uh, Leeds Carnegie was nearby, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that's, that's right. Anyway, right. Anyway, it was. There were, so actually, you're quite right. You had a grant from the government that, that subsidised the students' union, and they would, they would spend that on any society. So you could form your music society to play gramophone records, and the... The, exactly. And the, oh, yeah, they were. They, were, like union would, were they would sub you. But, let, but let's not forget, what percentage of the population went to university or college in 1972? Well, uh, much smaller than now, the, wasn't it? Less was than it? 10%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we're heading yeah, yeah. to 50%. Yeah, great. and no jobs for any of them. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. go on. 
Um, so uh, well, of course, it turns out that they were very keen for people to join the committee because there's a lot of hard work. And actually, although your, your students wanted the artists to appear on stage as though by magic, they didn't really want to get involved in any of the hard graft. And it also surprised me and I was, uh, to discover that many of the people that I worked with then and in the music business and certainly subsequently are not music fans. You would, you know, you'd read in the paper about such and such. Oh, have you seen so? Who? Because then, as now, it turns out, uh, the people only read the bits that they're already, already interested yeah, in. They yeah. don't actually read it cover to cover as I used to. And reading, you remember Steve Lake and his impenetrable crouch jazz rock, <laughs> endless pieces. <laughs> you you read, know? Right, right. I read them. I didn't <laughs> understand them, but I did read them. <laughs> you know. Because yeah, I felt that there was some, there was possibly See, the something last line going was, on. was thanks for finishing this, Andy. Murray. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. you're the only one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So you were on a mission from God, in the words of well, to a, to a slight degree, and and again, then as now, I always felt that, that possibly if you try to do something better, people would appreciate it. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. What did well, you quickly I, learn about successfully promoting to students? Um, that what's important to them is a, a good time and uh, of something they already know, and it's not important to them to improve their minds or, uh, you know, to do something, learn something they hadn't learnt or uh, see a jazz artist that would so that possibly expand their horizons. So they're no, their no more inquiring of mind than the average member of the public? Uh, less, much less so. But yeah. what are you going to college for? Beer, bar, yeah. you know, sex, yeah. exactly, and possibly a bit of spelunking. But, you know, <laughs> fingers really. crossed. So, <laughs> but, so what uh, to your be big fair, successes? Go on. Well, I, I need to look at my list. Uh, our biggest success, funnily enough, was um, the... The, uh, the kind of parody of a working man's club that we put on every term, which was always packed. Everyone had a great time. The comics were always booed off. And because we gave them a sort of mini salad, there was always the sight of a quarter of pork pie arcing through the light <laughs> towards the less popular acts. <laughs> so it's like a wheel tappers and shunters. Oh, completely. Uh, and then, and as you see from my list of artists, uh, Jasper Carrot was on one of them. Oh, know, right, you know, yes. You know, we had them all. Uh, so they actually were what students wanted. They wanted to get pissed and have a jolly night out. Right. And uh, I, there, was a, there was a challenge for me because I was sandwiched between Leeds Town Hall of 1800 capacity or so, where Pink Floyd did play in 1972, I think, previewing The Dark Side of the Moon, and various people like that. And so your, your established artists on the circuit would play there. Or and, and the university. And the university, yeah, yeah. 2000, 2000, biggest hall, uh, you know, bigger than the town hall. played in 1970. And... Uh, Various, and all sorts of other big artists would play there. But they, luckily for me, they tended to be very um, middle of the road. So they would have Barclay James Harvest and uh, the Moody Blues and, uh, you know, people like that. Um, and, of course, they could afford to have somebody who had had a hit. So if somebody had had a hit like Sparks, they could play the university. So I would have to book people who were probably hit-free. Right. But at least in that middle level of having had a record out. Plenty of choice. Who are we talking? (laughs) Well, uh, you know... Who are we talking? Jack the Lad? Jack the Lad, absolutely. Post... (laughs) Post... post No. Well, you see, I also rather suffered because they cut the capacity... Yeah, 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 because they cut the capacity down. See, look... Read us that list! Read us, come on! 1972. Well, prior to my year, these are the good people who were on, where we had a whole of 900 or so. Curved Air, Stackridge, Fanny, Lou Reed, Philip Goodhand Tate, The Straubs, Linda Lewis, Vinegar Joe, The Incredible String Band, Fleetwood Mac, Brewers Droop, Screaming Lord Brewers Such. Droop. I'm sorry, Brewers Droop. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask Andy. I'm g- we're going to go back to the beginning back. of this. I'm going to read it slightly, s- oh, okay. slightly more slowly. And Mark and I are going, to, are going to see if we can say 
Which of those people is still going today? Oh, right, okay. 40 years later. In some form. In some form. The answer would probably rather a lot. Okay. Curved air. Don't know. Yes, just reformed. Right, there you go. Stackridge. Yes, our interview of the current edition of Word. They've been going for 41 years without splitting up. Fanny. No, 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 haven't heard much from them lately. No. Lou Reed, yes, bigger than ever. Still going, yeah, still bigger still than ever. Going. Massive, never stopped. Philip Goodhand Tate, no, became a TV producer. Did he? Right, okay. The Straubs, yes, almost oh, certainly. Oh, I saw yeah, the Straubs still supporting Fairfield Convention still. two years ago. Okay. Linda Lewis, yes, uh, I think there was some comeback recently. I read. Not that. only that, last week Radio Two tracks of my years. I saw there is no greater. Uh, I think it was um, uh, the Pink Floyd at the, the Nebworth. And oh, every festival. That's a long yeah. time Festi- ago. Yeah, a yeah, festival yeah. certainty. Linda Lewis. Vinegar Joe? Well, no. Elkie Brooks, uh, Brooks, I saw playing. playing in Humphrey Littleton's band uh, about two and a half years ago in a club in, in, uh, in London. But Robert Palmer no longer with us. Robert Palmer yes. no longer with us. Keep going. The Incredible String Band. I am seeing a member of the Incredible String Band this evening. Mike Heron, who's rehearsing for his show at the Barbican Ensemble. Because there is Bandfest at the weekend promoted at the Barbican. You see, here's the truth. Incredible String Band. Stock in 2009 Hi. higher than it was 40 yeah, yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, okay. and incredibly influential, yeah. like Nick Drake. Okay. Yeah. Un- unbought in their lifetime, but yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. subsequent apart from catalogue geniuses, Fleetwood Mac. Well, you saw, you say saw no Peter, more. Peter Graham. Peter Graham. Yeah, well, the group yeah. of reform. Yeah. They, they have, they, yeah. in many incarnations. Brewers Group, no, don't believe so. Brewers Group. I saw Brewers Group Reading Festival '71. They weren't very good then. They had I used to like the Droop. Yeah, wasn't Mark With Knopfler briefly a member? He was, yeah, he was. From High Wicken, weren't they? And, and he used to, run, he used to run the Nags Head, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. 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 Uh, Screaming Lord Such, no yeah. longer with us. He up. The House Shakers. Well, they only they were they're only the opening acts. Right. I can ignore them. Stackridge again. Yeah. The Jay Giles Band, one of the best oh, gigs ever. Oh, I met a Jay Giles Band uh, three years ago Still at play. a concert by U2 in America. What's his name? Lead singer, dressed Peter in black. Peter Wolf. Peter Blankenship is his real name. Oh right. Or Blankenfield. Blanken something. Um, Fairport Convention. Uh, still well, going in. There's a crop ready probably this yeah, year, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Spirit. Don't know. No, well, Randy California died. He yeah, drowned yeah. trying to save his son, who he did, did save. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And I was his product manager as well. Really? Uh, Carry subsequently on. in Phonogram. Uh, Stone the Crows, another with the uh, dead. Uh, yeah, Les Harvey. Mott the Hoople. They're back. They're, they're, they're back. back. Playing the Hammersmith yes. in October. Absolutely. I and I bought my Couldn't be more back. Yes. So... How many of your list? That's a lot, isn't that's it? A lot. That's They're a all lot. Still that's around. that's sixty, seventy percent. Yeah. Apart from the inter- intercession of the Grim Reaper, you could say they're all still around, isn't it? Now, can, yeah. let me ask you a question. But there's a load more then. There's, then there's a load oh, more. We got more. Oh yeah, yeah that was only ninety seventy-two. On, all right, go on. Take, take, take a later I'll, year. Seventy-three. Jojo Gunn. I don't know anything about Jojo. The spin-off. Yeah, you do spin-off from Spirit. Oh, they're right. Okay. Yeah, shake that fat in every direction. Ninety-nine years. Shake that fat in every direction. Run, 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 something like that. And they've just made a live album. Got back together. Colin Blanstone. I saw him at the Isle of Wight. Still playing with the zombies. Still playing with the zombies. A year ago with the zombies. And the zombies are the first band I ever saw in Galashiels. Good start. Nineteen sixty-five. Brilliant band. Saw two numbers. Had to get the bus home. <laughs> it was only 13. Didn't get your one and six worth. Then, I didn't you? realise the promoter laid on a late bus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, keep going. Uh, the Dubliners, sadly, Ronnie Drew no longer with us. Yeah. Uh, Ralph McTell will never die. Will yeah, he? He he bloody awful. Yeah. Streets yeah. of London, Hatfield and the North. Uh, I know. You know. 
You know Hatfield and the North. Oh, I know yeah. them. I don't yeah, know yeah. whether they're still going. No, I don't know. There used to be that signpost on the way out. Of oh, the certainly. Yes. Uh, it's it's very recently. Is he still there? Still there. Oh, still there. Hatfield Jack the Ladder no longer with us, but Lindisfarne are back because they play a reunion gig every oh, year. Oh, right, good. Uh, the Southern Brothers? No, just and, one of them was immensely rich uh, because one of them wrote Sailing and the other one didn't. Okay. Do we? Yeah, we don't count. Oh, I can't. We don't count Quiver, do we? Because uh, that would give you Bruce Thomas and Pete Thomas. Well, that's Tim right. Rennick. Yes, Tim Rennick. Who supported... And Willie Weeks. Was that, <laughs> how do I know? I don't think that's terrible. They were the first group, touring group for Elvis, weren't they? Am I right? Elvis Costello? No, Clover. Oh, well, no, it was Clover. Clover. Clover, yes, yeah. exactly. Bebop Deluxe, well, no, I doubt if he's still playing, or Bill Nelson. Probably does his ambient We get the emails from him, Dave and I. Um... Gordon Giltrap, he's still going, unbelievably. He does sort of ambient records. Jasper Carrot, of course, now you know, on the telly. And the Liverpool scene, I think, uh, have decided to do some more gigs, haven't they? So that's like Andy Robertson. So again, yeah, Andy and Andy dead, yes, he is. But, uh, but, oh, so now I'm going to advance a theory to you about, about um, the college circuit, because I, I, my theory is that in the early 70s, when you were 1973, when you were putting on bands... They were not only immensely grateful um, because they needed to reach an audience that was going to buy the kind of music that they bought because there wasn't, as you said earlier, the radio right. and television uh, promotion. And the best way of doing that was, was the college circuit. So you've got these, what now seem like, extraordinarily There was a circuit. Groups. I mean, amazing. That's the thing. It was a circuit. But by the late uh, 70s, uh, I can remember accompanying the old group uh, when I worked for New Musical Express when I was a kid, you know, going to see, you know, The Damned or Elvis is Telling the Attractions playing at Oxford University. And the, the relationship was completely different then. You know, these guys were really taking the piss. You know, uh, I remember the Stranglers would sort of demand things like, um, you know, a spit roast uh, <laughs> pig or something like that in, in a canvas tent with, mm -hmm. with people sort of roasting this thing mm -hmm. and sort of carving it up with ceremonial swords or whatever. Partly for legal reasons, because if it wasn't actually there as part of their rider, they could then they could then declare legally that they weren't going to play the gig. Well, so, they so there could. A, no, but there was they'd a certain be unwise amount, to. There was a certain amount of kind of piss-taking about yeah. the rich students who were paying them far too much money to be playing uh, 30 songs. Well, it certainly would be true that college balls, then as now, had a huge amount of money because they charged a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. They did. And you would play a lot of, you know, the Yardbirds famously played one of their last gigs at a, at a college ball and, and similarly took the piss. Um, but that's different from your weekly college event. And that seemed to, uh, as I say, I subsequently edited a magazine called Circuit. It was called College Event and then became Circuit. And it became clear by 1980 that there wasn't going to be much of a college circuit left anymore. Some of that, in my opinion, was to do with greater professionalism in that the artists actually did then want to play decent shows, which meant that it cost more to put on, which meant that your yeah, students they didn't want were to less funded. Gymnasium in a, you know. No, uh, you had sort of technical standards where you wanted to be able to play in a certain way. Uh, and some of it was because, funnily enough, the, the, the music became far more available, far more... Um, egalitarian, and actually the people who went to gigs were probably not college-goers anymore. They certainly weren't in the, the, the advance of punk. When I was working in, shall we say, uh, Virgin Marble Arch in 1976, you know, the invention of punk, in comes Jake Riviera with So It Goes, you know, do you want yeah. to sell this single? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you've got indie singles. Well, they were mostly, in my experience, um, again, subsequently working with Stiff, not bought by students. Your students actually ended up being on the back foot in terms of yes, new true, music. Actually. It was your, you know, your worker, dare I say. slightly people, older, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. mostly male, but, but very keen. And there was a new, a new wave, literally, of uh, music appreciation post-Sex Pistols, where people wanted to go to gigs and actually get pissed and, and you know, throw beer at the band or whatever, but, but be more participatory rather than sitting on the floor. So that's an interesting point, because... 
you could say that the student life, in, in, in your student life, your, your entire social life is on your doorstep, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, just it was. there. And in the case yeah, of Leeds yeah. University... So it, the world has yeah. to come just to you. Just outside yeah, yeah, yeah. You do not deal with the world. Well, uh, but it really was a... It was a uh, what's the word? It was a very partisan, uh, certainly in Leeds, which had the largest number of students outside of London. If you were at does. the university... You didn't have to leave the campus. You had a, a yeah. call of residence. You had everything in the, the you know, the students' union, and yep. a few bars and everything, all sorts of entertainment, and you had quite a big campus to stroll over. Plus, they were very elitist in terms of their shows. They wouldn't allow non-students in. Yeah. And on a big Which day, part of the they wouldn't allow the poly people in. So yeah. we'd be very pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas your polytechnic, by definition, there were no campus. Uh, it was four conglomerated, four colleges stuck together in a, in a very disparate way. Uh, and we had to let anyone in because it was the only way to sell any tickets. Now, you've, you, in this, this piece in the current issue, you, you, um, you talk about when, when you booked the whalers. Go on, tell us about that. Well, it was very, there were two things, two contributory factors. One was the fact that they, the local authorities had cut our capacity down to 560, so we couldn't make any money. We had to lose money. The Students' Union said, that's okay, it's a cultural event, <laughs> but can we not have these, quote, rock bands? We don't want these you know, noisy rock bands. Um, now, of course, noisy rock bands is what I and anyone who was a gig goer actually wanted to see. But I, I had to say, yes, all right. Well, you know, what else? You know, what, what else can we, we have? Well, let, let me jams. see if Gordon Giltrap's still available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we did have, you know, we had the Dubliners and we had uh, the jazz. String and we band, had the yeah. Hatfield in the North, and I put on a classical concert. You know, nobody came, but I put it on. And um, and then so I was able to kind of sneak the whalers in on the basis that they were they reggae and they were not, not rock. rock. They were not rock. Horse. World yeah. music had the term been invented. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it, what, to be fair to the world and the whalers, it wasn't exceptional. They had a long date sheet, mostly colleges. They were affordable. First they, time in Britain. First time in Britain. It was their second album. They'd had uh, Catch a Fire with the opening Zippo yeah, yeah, Life yeah, of Sleeve. Yeah. Very well reviewed. Richard Williams was a big fan, you know, then as now, and had talked that to Mark yeah. and, uh, and there was a big feature in MM just before our gig saying that, that he was, you know, Bob Marley was the genius of reggae, which he plainly was. And, of course, he'd written Stir It Up for Johnny Nash. So there wasn't... They weren't unknown. And, but uh, can I just, uh, just add one point for the benefit of anybody who doesn't remember those days? You cannot imagine how uh, people used to look down on reggae. Oh, yes, it wasn't. Oh, no. The emergence of Bob Marley. It's just, you know, well, and, uh, to be, was now, laughable to I am not a reggae fan particularly, but w- wasn't it scar prior to being reggae? So it was a lighter musical form in one sense. And didn't the Whalers re- revolutionize and radicalized the form anyway. I, 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 but it was, was the, the idea they thought it was being superficial. It was, it was it really certainly was style. regarded as they being dance music. They thought it was either um, My Boy Lollipop or Georgie yeah. Fame and the Blue Face, yeah. both of which seem to be kind of the, virtually cabaret. The, 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 the achievement of selling, selling Bob Marley to a big white rock audience was the equivalent of, of, of selling disco to yeah. an indie John Peel audience. Right? Yeah, yeah, yes, very similar. Anyway, okay. So y- y- you hired them. How much did they cost you? Three hundred pounds. Three hundred of your English, English pounds, pounds could get you. Let's go through the lineup: Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, Peter Tosh, Bunny Livingston. Livingston. Was Aston Family Man Bar- Barrett there? I think and he was. Carlton Carl yes, and Carlton. Yes, and the Barrett brothers. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty good deal. It is the it? classic lineup. Isn't that's it? pretty good. forty quid each. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Very good deal. So, and and when a band turned up in those days, I'm trying to get an idea of the scale of the thing. Well, very what, small. I meant to. Would they come in a van? Or well, what? yes, just a van. I mean, would the band come in the van? You mean a car, probably. There would be a car in the van. The gear comes in the van. We're not talking about a huge no coaches, no, none of that business. Well, if you remember, they carry how many road crew. 
Well, at the time, the whalers probably had two, but two. your average would have been one. Because, you know, just so one no, bloke. There's, a, there's no, you know, no, nobody sits down with a laptop contri- computer and starts printing uh, out passes. No, no, no passes, like no lights, no, no, uh, no, no, none of that. no stage gear. We, we are actually uh, regular. I just love this idea that you open the back of the van and sort of Peter Tosh just rolls out. <laughs> well, yes. Low <laughs> smoke comes out the back. Huge. Alarm smoke. <laughs> and various molars just, just fall out So where are we, Leeds? Well, yeah. But if you have yeah. this, also the, what you've got to remember, in mind there wasn't this notion that bands were going to last forever that they were iconic like there is now and if you wanted to be the band's best friend you could easily hang out with them before during and after the gig if you went to the band's hotel and said could i come back to your hotel and buy you a drink if you were male or you know yeah. give me some of my time if you were female <laughs> they they would be very they right would be along, very, Mr. Murray. but they would be very <laughs> impressed because nobody Who did that they, that's they, true. they turned up they played the gig they buggered off yes. you'd had your entertainment there was none of that autograph signing eBay right. selling their shirts tearing them into little strips and making 20 quid each. there wasn't any of that there was there was no merchandising in those days you couldn't buy a t-shirt wouldn't you know the only t-shirts there were were promotional t-shirts there so if you, if you want to go back to the point no about how reasons. expensive gigs have become you could say that's just a direct reflection of the increased number of people engaged in providing the live music yes compared to how it was but it's it used also to be five men in a group and two two roadies well, yes there is there's there's the, the, the revenues the revenues are so huge aren't they i mean they, had they sold a lot of T-shirts, they would have made some money. Well, but it's the other way around, in my opinion. What happened was that round about the 1980s, and I actually am a big fan of the 80s music, not all of it, but I don't think it's the terrible decade that not some people say. No, I agree. Some of it was egregiously poor, but... But, but, but same you know, applies to good, You know, I worked with a lot of good artists in the 80s. Anyway, um, what happened was that in the record business, where I subsequently worked, records became very profitable, and you began, you began selling more than gold. A record was a failure if it wasn't gold. And Which it, was 100,000? 100,000, right? yeah. then, then as now. And in my day, it was rare for records to go platinum, and then suddenly you discover TV marketing, and then it became double platinum. So there suddenly became an awful lot more money to be made, but there was also was an in- emphasis on hit singles from albums. Now, go back to the 70s, that wasn't the case. It was genuinely underground. There wasn't a big... Um, there wasn't a big cash cow to be made. You had to tour to make money. And the, fee- the, the thought was that this music wasn't going to last forever. Uh, similarly, when I bought the, the, the Fairpoint Convention had their classic album, Legion Leaf, quite a big seller, and a top 20 yeah, album. Yeah. The next album came out, Sandy Denny having left. The first print run was 5,000 copies. And the reason I know is... Full House. Full House, 5,000 copies. They manufactured 5,000 copies. copies. Coming off the back of a big one. Is because I've got one of them. And it's got the the track that... It's got the... um, What's the name of the track? It'll come to me. Um, That Richard Thompson at the last minute took off the album. It's got it on the sleeve blacked out because they had to reprint the subsequent sleeves without it. Really? Uh, Poor Will and the Jolly Hangman. Oh, really? And in the sleeve notes to the reissue, uh, blah, 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 it says if you've got one of the first 5,000 sleeves, those are, you know, that's how I know. That's what they pressed. And that's what records were selling. You weren't, I mean, 5,000 is what great, I do. At a tangent, I've got a great deal of sympathy for some of the musicians at that time because I think it was the, the equation was the most amount of... of uh, oh, Andy Murray is holding up a story. That, uh, the best of... Oh, I was just to illustrate my Clive point. Gregson. The best of Clive Gregson, available at HMV and on Amazon now. That's what you press 5,000 of these days. Yes. You know, of someone who's not 
dare I say, a household name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. might incidentally manage. Yes, very subtle. But uh, that's the point. The Fairport Convention, the biggest, but you know, they were hot and they, they were. gigged all the time. But don't you feel, like, I'll give you an example. Right? Roy Harper, when I was a, a, a kid, you know, I was at college and he came to play at our um, college uh, concerts at, uh, at the uh, Oxford Poly. And the, the level of notoriety and celebrity and fame that this guy had compared to the quantity of records he sold and the subsequent amount of money he was going to make out of that was completely the opposite of what it would be now. Because you've got yeah. somebody like a member of, I don't know, Blue Nile or something, who's clearly made, uh, or a member of Talk Talk, you know, who've made an absolute fortune out of the sheer size of the global market, but are, uh, 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 and are reasonably well-known, but enjoying, in fact, in real life, a certain amount of anonymity. Yeah. So they've got the perfect yeah. combination of not being bothered in Sainsbury's and having a large amount of money in the bank. Whereas poor old Roy Harper, for whom I have a great deal of sympathy, actually, has got a great deal of fame, and a great deal of having to deal with that fame um, uh, reducing... And probably is not sitting no there money hearing the, the, the regular son of a brown manila envelope <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah. with a load of PRS from Radio 2. Let's so, just go, let's go back to these, these student concerts because the, this ties in with this, the, this business. The kind of lack of fuss is the thing that I find fascinating to think back on. So I can't remember if you mentioned it in your piece or John Webster in his piece, uh, who's also writing about being a social sec, that, that people would go to these gigs and there would be no chairs... There would yeah. be no drink. Yeah, it was the me. Yeah. No chairs, no the, drink. Yeah. They would sit, on the, sit on the floor in yeah. a gym. Yeah. In a gym, and the college bar was about 200 yards away, if you could get into it. Okay, if, you know, yes, you weren't a really student, packed with a rugby club or whatever. Well, no, 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 if you weren't a student. You couldn't get in. the licensing laws, you couldn't get in. So, you, could, you, you know, it could be. It was a pretty uncomfortable night it out. It certainly was, ascetic. You it know, was, you, you sit on the bones of your arse. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, often girls, would bring their own cushions. Yeah, Do you remember that? And so, and so the, the response of the audience, and it fascinates me when you go back and you listen to live recordings made of this, these days, was very, was less, very muted. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's, Reflected it's, it's a strange applause like that. Well, it know, brings us back no to whoops. the Whalers story, yeah. where I felt, uh, with my showbiz gene, that actually it would be a better gig for both audience and um, punter if there was an MC. And it might as well be me because I'd book the band and might as well have the brickbats we thrown must, at like, me. Can we put Andy Murray's uh, sound bite on the, on, the, on, the, on the There is a recording of Andy. We could possibly do that. We we'll see if we can do that. Well, I can recreate it for you because yeah, it's deeply do embarrassing. It, do it now. Yeah, yeah, embarrassing. Because, you know, 30 years ago, I remember myself as being quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not so. Oh, it plays and I get it because you can hear me saying... Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, thanks for waiting, because there'd be no support band. You know. yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, you're going to enjoy them. Uh, here they are. It's the greatest band in the world. It's the Whalers. <laughs> you say the greatest band in the world. Something like that. But that's very, very in the tradition, the grand tradition of the Rolling Stones. Isn't yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you see, whereas nowadays, if you introduced Aston Family Man Barrett, you know, playing solo, the, the room would go oh, crazy. Right. So it would be erupt. Because people yeah, yeah. are just Cheers. cranked up for that yeah. kind of level yeah. of hype, aren't they? Though? But uh, uh, the reason I mentioned it is because prior to that, the band would just shuffle on. Uh, exactly taking up yes. your point. That, that, that whoever that you'd paid money to see, lights would go down, band would come on, strike up first number. If you're lucky, they'd say, hello. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're the so and so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, get off your asses. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, often the but lights but, wouldn't yeah, even well, go off. I'm so I'm so impressed with your kind of upbeat showmanship because the guy used to present the the, the put on the shows at, at Oxford Poly was a guy called Chris Church, who funny enough I met uh, very very recently at a, at a, a reform reformation of the Global Village Trucking Company. Oh yes, yeah, it was Jeremy Lascelles. Absolutely, Jeremy Lascelles playing the keyboard. keyboard. And uh, Chris Church was the coolest person in our entire postal district. He had waist length hair. And he came on, he always made a speech before he introduced some terrific groups. I mean, Captain Beefheart's uh, Magic Band, uh, the, the, um, the, the, um, the Flying Burrito Brothers, also he had the Whalers, Roy Harper, etc., John Martin. And he would come on and he would do this really fantastic thing where he would use every single hippie cliche you could imagine. He'd, he'd always talk about spilling a lot of hassles. He'd sort of mumble, he'd mumble. He'd mumble, got the microphone. What you really wanted was Andy Murray. You wanted someone to go, you're all yes. sitting on the floorboards, you haven't got any drink, there's no drugs, you know, it's been very expensive, you know, but let's try and enjoy Let's ourselves. rock. Please, exactly. for the mighty Bob Marley and the Whalers. But what you actually got was Chris Church going, uh, <laughs> I hope he's not listening. Chris, if you are listening, I'm awfully sorry. But I, I loved it, by the way. And um, I go, yeah, well, it's been a lot of hassle. I uh, <laughs> hope no one's been, been ripped off by the prices because the man's trying to raise the prices, but trying to keep it real. You know, and he just used every kind of, you know, every kind of, yeah, yeah I hope uh, you can all put the skins together and maybe find some way of trying to relax and enjoy yourself. The yeah. classic yeah. example. And it just sort of this waffle, eventually saying, you know, oh, you know, the curse on flyers, yeah, great. Yeah. And you think, oh, right. but it was all so kind of downbeat. Yeah, it, was yeah, almost, yeah. it was almost like you weren't meant to get no, up. No, no, it's uncool, it was uncool. uncool, man. Have, have, you, heard, have you heard the, the thing? I, I, we've run this on the website in the past, and I'll see if I can find a link to it. The, the famous Pete Drummond introducing Tim Buckley at oh, the Royal God, Festival. Yes. Oh, no, uh, no, no, oh, yeah, it's hilarious. It's on the live album, which was put out about five years ago by Demon, I think, something like that. Uh, they found this tape. The one, you know, one time he came over and, and played, I, th I think, the Queen Elizabeth Hall. Yeah. And it's a terrific gig. But you can't imagine anything less hyped in your in your life, you know, than Tim Buckley just playing. That. Yeah. Mm. And and the opening of it, the recording, is you hear distant footsteps coming towards you. Okay. And it's Pete Drummond. <laughs> it's only Drummond. Picking, picking his Drummond's way. Cuban heel boots. Absolutely. Yeah. Clipping. Walking downstairs <laughs> since 1967. Picking his way over the leads. You know, trying to make sure yeah, he yeah. doesn't trip up. Yeah, when, right. when you go on stage with the rock band, it's always your main concern. Yeah. Don't oh, trip yeah. up. Uh, and making his way towards the mic, and then you, you hear him, his first words are, yeah. <laughs> this is really weird. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> basically what he says is, I've just turned up to see the show. And so yeah, he said, they said why, why don't you introduce yeah. Tim? So, wow, yeah. here's, here's, here's Tim Buckley. Here's Tim. And the audience go, yeah. you know, even the people who bothered to come go like that. You know. I saw Pete Drummond a month ago at a car boot sale. <laughs> And I say... So he comes and says, you know, this is really weird. I'm in a car boot cell. <laughs> he <laughs> appeared to be in crockery. reduced circumstances. So I say, get Pete Drummond back on the radio. That's what I oh, say. Oh, I say, him. have him back on the airwaves. More, more of him. Have you introduced any groups on stage, Mark? Well, I did for Old Grey Whistle Test, as you did. I can remember introducing the undertones, I think, and... God, somebody else. Elton John. Oh my God, I introduced Elton John. Where? On t uh, to the Hammersmith Odeon in uh, oh, really? 1982, uh, I think. On the stage? Um, on the stage. I have never been more terrified. I'm wow. So I never knew that. Oh, it was on live television and on Radio 2. It was an old Grey Whistle Test special. They must have asked you, Dave, and you were probably really busy, so they got me instead. <laughs> oh, we'll have to go. They tried, they tried whispering Bob and Annie, and, and Dave can't do it. We'll have to, oh, I'll have to go and get Mark then. So uh, I, I, I have never been more frightened. I'll tell you how frightened I was, right? I was so frightened. I've never done anything like this in my life. 
I, how old would I have been? 28 or something. And we, had, we, we lived around the corner from, from then, me and my, my wife, who just got married. And I, I practised in the kitchen. To you her. didn't. I did, to her. Brilliant. Just to her. I, I was so nervous. Because I had to speak for, I don't know what it was, 45 seconds, you know. And you practised in, in front of your wife. in front of my wife. And I, she said, all right, look, if you're so worried about God, it, she's, she's, she's it a forgiving <laughs> woman. And I can remember standing up at the sink. <laughs> and a great <laughs> order. <laughs> Whatever, I can't remember. But, you know, you, I did the idea of, of, of addressing the Hammersmith audience, a 3,000-seat venue, and it was live on television and on radio. So yeah. it was just, that is the deep end, isn't it? Well, of course, and the Except, truism and is try, that... I thought, actually, to try and, if you can do it to your wife in the kitchen, that kind of, uh, and then please welcome tonight. <laughs> oh, amusing looks from the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, podcast. Listeners, I think you can guess what, what kind of hilarious doodle on tundras we're going to have me doing it to my wife. Yeah, and if you can do that, and also introduce Alan John, then you can do There is only one truism about introductions in that the audience does not want to hear it. No. They're, they're there to see the band. They're yeah. not there to see the MC. Yeah. You need to have one. I know. But at the same time, they're I not in the least agree. bit interested in what you've got to say. The only thing they're thinking no. is, who are you? Get off. No, no, no. Not true, Not true. They want to be They want. They want to be roused, yes. They're not interested in you. That's they want. What they want is for someone to say, this party has officially started. That's right. That's all it is. And that's why the best one is, well, I think we've got it. We did it on a list on the, on the website ages ago. I'd love to see if we can still find it. The greatest interest from live albums or live recordings. And the greatest one is from a Philadelphia DJ introducing Bruce Springsteen in 1979 where he does the whole thing like a boxing thing. The oh, yeah, main yeah, event! Yeah, 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 the content! And it's oh, yeah. every, every, next, every sentence yeah. Yeah. builds the audience more and more. And the audience love it. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. love that feeling. And I the British equivalent would be... You introduced, um, I introduced the model. I, no, I introduced Aswell. I had to do that six, six times because yeah. I couldn't get the tape working. Uh, <laughs> but I, I... Which is a real pain. You were when very you, funny. I remember you said... I I remember go, what you said? You said, harder than this, they do not come. Please welcome Aswell. Dave, I oh, very good. Yeah, very good. Mo. That's pretty good. And, it? Uh, it should have been Jimmy Cliff then. Well, whatever. Oh, and uh, you know, for 27 <laughs> years, I thought that was fucking. It was. Great. It was. I'm <laughs> saying it was good. It was a good intro. It just could have been. He could have topped himself. Oh, we should have had Andy Murray. All right, you made your point. Move on. <laughs> That's what the audience used to say to me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I introduced the modern, the modern lovers, that Ellsby Fryer. Oh, that's good. Oh, Which good. is quite cool. Very good. That's really very good. Cool. Uh, but it, it, it's what did always, you say? Can you remember what you said? I think I said something like from, from New England to Old England or something like that. You see, yeah. oh, he's, he's got it. He's a can do that. Very good. If ever there's, you know, if the, the old package stores come back and they're on a Des O'Connor figure. they should. They should, but they never will. 20 minutes and act tops. Absolutely. I'm the man. You obviously are. Should you not have a word package? Now, seriously, because... Let's have a word package. We can if you're talking on. about the terrible state of modern music, because there's too much of it, Which is on very hard to... podcast coming next week, by the way, with Andy Murray. Your, Chedby, your anyway. excellent magazine does, of course, try to address the balance by exposing some new artists. Yes, on our excellent now, now here, there's CDs. The, yeah. live, the live circuit is actually under terrible stress at the moment, because if you have a new artist of any kind, it, it's back to being paying for playing, as you may or may not yeah, understand. Yeah. If I you want to play, they say, OK, Mark Allen Band, you've got to guarantee to bring 25 people who'll pay a fiver, and they've got to have your own particular flyer, otherwise we won't credit them against your name. And if you can't bring in 25 people, you can't play. So there isn't that opportunity to open the show for whoever and build up a, an audience, like Stackridge did in Leeds. Yep. They started off opening for, I think, Wishbone Ash, 
and then went down very well. We brought them back. They played out, you know, they played the College of Education, came back, did all that. You don't get any of that these days. There is very, it's very difficult to get started. So, and some industry organizations, like BMI has a sort of regular night, and the tip sheet, industry tipping yeah, yeah. paper, yeah, they no, do yeah. things. Could there not be a, a mini word? I, would, I, 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 I don't know whether we could ever do that. But I, I, as, a, as a member of the audience, I do hanker after going to see a show where nobody's going to do more than three numbers. Mm. And then the next act is going to be on within five yeah, minutes. Absolutely right. I would love that. Not a problem Get on, at all. Give us I, your, I because, show us your wares, push off. <laughs> I and, and, because, and I don't know, I think it'd take a cultural counter-revolution to make that happen. Because I think bands... And you guys are both, you know, members of or have been members of bands. We've tr trodden various boards. Bands certainly. want to play as long as possible. Yeah, don't Fritz, they? they do. Th they don't think, can I abbreviate, no. you know, whatever I do. It's very, very hard. And even within the band, when you say to somebody, uh, great solo man, but uh, <clears throat> can we cut, the, uh, cut it down by a few bars? It's no, no, less no. Notes. Yeah, it doesn't go down terribly well with your whittling lead see, guitarists. Uh, see, I want to set myself up as a, as a music editor, actually. I'm just going to go and listen to groups and go... Get rid of that. Get yep. rid of. I know nothing about which, music, to be fair, is what a lot of, of managers do. That, that's well, good. That's one of the prime functions of managers. If you take on a new artist for management, is to say, well, look, guys, you're not quite as good as you think you are, and you could be better if you're a little bit more focused. It requires enormous diplomacy. Huge I went amounts to of tact. Uh, exactly. uh, my part of West London, exactly. In fact, Andy, you and I live around the corner for each other. We, we have various old musicians there who've, who've uh, old musicians retired, uh, yeah. veterans. <laughs> W4. Yeah, who all get together sea. and play little gigs. And one of them is John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin, oh, and yeah. Nick Lowe, and all those people, as you yeah. know, all live around there. And I, I watched uh, my friend Robin Hitchcock uh, rehearsing for uh, a concert with Jones, John Paul Jones playing bass. And uh, Robin trying to tell John to, to um, play less notes. And it's very hard. It's trying to tell a member of Led Zeppelin. A, a yeah, member yeah. of Led Zeppelin to play, play less, less notes. notes. And what he actually said was, that was really good, John, but uh, you don't have to be quite so note-specific. <laughs> Which I thought was, uh, was rather, rather brilliant. I, I wrote brilliant. an article the other day for somebody, and they, um, they asked me for a certain number of words, and I sent them, in fact, uh, 200 words over. And they wrote a thing back to me, may have to trim at the edges just to let it breathe. <laughs> Which I thought was a brilliantly diplomatic right. way of saying the same thing. Which is, well, basically, you're going to cut the article. Well, but <laughs> here's yeah. a reason why we should go back to the 70s, is that audiences actually were quite discerning to the degree that if you didn't play terribly well, the audience would not clap. Yes. Now, yeah, those that, old uh, that modern about phenomenon of not clapping yeah. is, doesn't exist anymore. In fact, completely the reverse, exactly as you say. Here they are. They've come on three hours late. They've charged you too much money. Yeah, the beer is yeah, terrible. But you're still pathetically grateful. Yes. And the place. sound is awful. Yeah. The sound man's gone home yes. and they really don't care. Yes! yes. And, Michael, and Michael Jackson's died as well, yes. so he's not even going to take part in the show. No. But it's still it, going on. Make yeah. some noise. Well, the answer should be boo. Should be the noise. Not, that's what? the noise you should be making any time yeah, yeah. anyone says make some noise. Why do, I, why do I get the feeling that this is not going to be the last appearance by Andy Murray on this, on this podcast? I don't think it is. In, in, this, in his I intermittent series of, you know, things ain't what they used to I be. I may be banned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy, thanks very much for being here this, uh, this my, week. My in, tremendous. in the black hole of Calcutta. Before we go, uh, I know, Mark, you're not a, you're not a user of Twitter. No, I know what it is, though. You, did, I've seen it. You, did, Fraser here has showed me Twitter. The, the great, the great uh, practitioner of, uh, of Twitter, by common consent, is, is the mysterious gentleman who set himself up to tweet 
in the style of Dr. Oh, Johnson. Oh, Dr. Johnson, I read Dr. Johnson. Which, yeah, which is just, if, if you're not following this now, do, because the, this, this person is the only person who's made an art out of Twitter, as far as I can see. Uh, as far as I can see. But he's also, he's decided in the last few hours, the, and this is, uh, you know, imparted in various tweets, okay? I shall compile, the first one is, I shall compile a power hundred of influential men, starting with Emperor Frederick of Prussia and Mr. Will Young. <laughs> <laughs> then the next one is, my power list includes Captain James Cook, author Mr. Lawrence Stern, and agitator Mr. John Wilkes. There shall be room upon the power list for tragic widower and urchin lad Master Jack Tweed. <laughs> my, pa- my power list... And now you should be reading this in the Robbie Coltrane voice. And I can't do that. My, and now he's hitting his stride. Uh, my power list now accommodates Prime Minister William Pitt... And celebrated Lady Cook, Miss Rusty Lee. <laughs> and the, but the fifth one, the fifth one is the reason why I wanted to read this out to this particular podcast. Power list, Messrs. Hepworth and Ellen, who authored the great treatise of Westlife. <laughs> so we're in there. Upon my soul, I am eternally grateful to the great doctor for his mention. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.